Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star written review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, and the same on Twitter as well, at TylerTMC, or search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm. Sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback. We look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I am, of course, your host, Tyle McRae. With me, I guess for the very first time, we've got a Simpsons to Simpsons podcast crossover. As um, fairly local as it is, it's still an honour. We have uh, Zach from the 411 Folks British Simpsons podcast. Zach? It's a pleasure to have you. How are we doing? Oh, it's a pleasure to be on. I mean, we've been talking for a long time. I'm I'm good, man. How are you? I'm very, very well, man. Um, yeah, things are a bit mixed at work at the minute. Um, for a bit of behind-the-scenes stuff here, I mean, even Cal doesn't know about this, I had to get my fingerprints uh, searched for this uh, DBS check. Now, it's not a nonce check. It's Jesus, <laughs> thank God. But it's more... <laughs> but it's more... Um, if you handle people's credit data, which I do, you have to get it done. And me and my friend at work got it done. He was fine, but oh no, someone apparently has a very similar match and profile to me. So that means I had to go all the way to Northampton. Thankfully, I got it paid. That was a friggin' rigmarole in itself, just trying to get any company <laughs> to go a bit extra for you. But you know, so be it. I'm not going to. I got it all done. It took weeks, but we're all there. How? But Zach. Work life, general life, podcast life. How do you? How are you doing? Yeah, well, work life. Let's start there. Um, work life. Uh, it's been a busy week. Um, this the February half term where I am the busiest week of the year for my. Obviously, I work with kids. I work in a kids' place since I've done for a good few years um, with my co-host uh, Gambo. Um, so we. <laughs> it's been a bit of a busy week for me, uh, and Gambo's just there. Uh, gone off and left me to go to Poland for six months as well oh, really? so uh, yeah yeah <laughs> he's studying abroad for the next four months so yeah so he's, he's left me all on my own in this busy week and uh yeah it's been a been the busiest week in the history of uh this branch that I'm working at so <laughs> now before we get into this uh episode right here I have to ask you like I ask all my guests um what was your sort of first foray into the Simpsons how did you find out what are your earliest memories i've i've pretty much watched the simpsons uh, as long as i for as long as i can remember um my uh, my mum and dad used to watch it when they were um when they were obviously like young adults like teenagers to young like, and then they got me into it when pr- pretty much at a very young age there's a there is a vhs tape in my house um of me stood on i was maybe two years old um doing a little dance on a chair to uh Viva Las Vegas while with uh Viva Las Flanders on in the background. Um so <laughs> it's oh, pretty wow. much been uh, for as long as I can remember I've been a big I, I sort of lost touch with it when I was getting a bit older I got into like family guy but then I soon realized that was yeah, it, it has its place but it's not Simpsons. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so yeah my my earliest memories of the Simpsons Oh, do you know? I, I, every, I don't have any. I just remember it's always been there. All ah, right, it's always uh, omnipresent in your life. Yeah. Well, I suppose. Um, what does it mean to you then? Because obviously, I mean, I'm a massive fan myself. Hence, why I started doing the podcast. But um, specific memories for me. I've mentioned it quite a few times when I 
introduce people to the show like the year 2000s very near and dear to my heart because it was bbc2 it was weakest link then simpsons then fresh prince then whatever was on next now i know there's a slight age gap between me and you but does that jog <laughs> any sort of memory uh, no memories per se. No, in the year two thousand, I was it. <laughs> that was it. Channel Four and Sky oh, One really were okay. my memories. So in the year two thousand, I was a year old, so <laughs> I don't really have any memories of that back in that time. What are you serious? I, I was a year old. How, yeah, I'm a, I'm a ninety-nine baby. How, how, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to exactly say what year, but I'll just say Lion King. There we go. I know. The episode we're reviewing today is Brother from Another Series from Season 8, Episode 16, directed by Pete Michaels, written by Ken Keeler, with the original air date being February the 23rd, 1997, and with the couch gag being the living rooms now on the ceiling and the Simpsons sit down but they fall on the floor. Uh, now, as always, I usually ask my co-host Cal, um, do you have, Zach, any initial thoughts or memories about this specific episode with uh, Bob and the gang? Uh, right. This episode is... When I was younger, I wasn't a massive fan of it. Oh, okay. Uh, it, was, it was one of those episodes where... I grew to love it as I got older, and I'd learn. I like, learned more about like writing and things like you. You come from a, a screenwriting background as well, don't you? Yes. Yeah, I've did a course, and I've managed to add like breadcrumbs of work throughout afterwards. Yes. Ah, oh, lovely. Yeah. See, when I when I started looking into like writing things, I realised um, writing comedy and things like that. It was this episode, 22 short films about Springfield. I wasn't a massive fan of as well as when I was younger, which mm-hmm. is now one of my favourite episodes as well. Um, I think cause it, just, cause it was on all the time. But this episode, I wasn't a massive fan of it. I had uh, season eight on DVD was the one that I watched a lot. Um, and although it's one of the best ep- one of the best seasons, it's one of the ones that I um, I watched less of as I got older because I watched it so much when I was younger. Um, but now it's one of my favourite episodes um, purely for the the Fraser cross- crossover. Yes, and that is exactly why I've got uh, Zach on the podcast here. He is um, a big Fraser fanatic there, and myself I only really know it for. I know it was obviously a spin off of Cheers, and it's one of the best examples of you know. A, spin-off being as good if not better than the original sitcom there so i've got zach along with me to walk along the references and just how you know great fraser was i mean i can totally respect it i mean i think i can't remember episodes but i can definitely remember moments two ones that stick out well in my mind is um they do a bit of like scooby-doo going through the doors actions and it's mad dog in the morning fella (laughs) it's daphne and it's fraser and it's niles all trying to not see each other because they book the same uh, cottage or uh, cabin, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I know exactly what episode. That's a very, very good episode, that, yeah. <laughs> and then the second one is, I think you get some really patriotic neighbour and there's a great bit where he's talking about, oh, this is America and, you know, you've got an opportunity. <laughs> and then the big flag comes out and you just hear him go, Cam Winston, and he <laughs> runs out in his big theatrical way as Mr. Grammar does. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. And uh, just a, you got to, you just got to take a moment to just appreciate Kelsey Grammer in himself. I, I watched. I only started watching Frasier because I love Kelsey Grammer in The Simpsons so much. Oh, okay. So it was linked through The Simpsons that you got. Into yeah. Frasier. Oh, for God's sake, Niles! That wine spent less time in the bottle. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, Niles! Get up. There's plenty of air. <laughs> this is Doctor Crane at table seven. Could you send someone over to dust off my chair? Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> Thank you.
And we start this episode with a, a little TV special. It's Crossy the Clown from prison. And um, yeah, Crossy's doing his own thing. That I mean, he's miming along to the guitar there. So he's not quite... Um, I know said the artist, but do you know the specific reference to this, Zach? I know you're quite a fan of your older generation of music. <laughs> um, the crusty singing in the prison. Uh, that would be Mr. Johnny Cash. Yeah, from, uh, what was it, Folsom Prison there? One of his most yes. infamous gigs there. Krusty doesn't really get that. He gets genuine booze there, but, you know, you got to quickly get him on side. There's no better folk <laughs> like prison folk. Yeah, he brings them back with that old Mick Foley cheap pop. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there's a pre-warning for you guys. Um, we are going to go off all sorts of wrestling references, so... Uh, yeah, be forewarned, folks. Uh, Zach's yeah, really get up ready. Crossy's <laughs> doing a bit of you know fan work there, going over to this tubby fella saying, "Oh no, my tax dollars are going there," but no response, <laughs> nothing whatsoever. So he moves on to your next man, and it turns out it's well a, a returning guest, but I believe first time ever on this podcast. We have sideshow Bob, um, Kelsey Grammer himself there. Now, is this really your first Bob episode? Yes, it is. Um, yeah, I guess it is. Like, obviously, the random episode generator turns out, you know, good ones. We think of it as like a revels bag. You might get coffee, you might get orange. So, you know, um, and I'm pretty sure you're on, along the same line as um, I can't really think of a bad Bob episode. There's always gems in there. They're always golden. Oh, absolutely. We have Bob here seeing Krusty. Krusty, like a, I guess like a casual chat in your barbers. What have you been up to here, you know, in... <laughs> prison and he just goes through well previous plots you know he tried to murder Selma Bouvier rigged an election tried to kill Krusty and then whenever free chance he had he tried to get Bart Simpson on that perfect cue at Bart's name Bart runs off terrified there and home with a great uh, (laughs) with that great bit of dialogue Uh, he said tried (laughs) oh it's perfect (laughs) Marge sort of trying to coax him saying oh you know someone should go and sort him out but it's Lisa Lisa ends up making the charge fed up (laughs) and then Marge keeps helping her oh but you know all those stairs (laughs) relatable have the family you know coercing and helping out Bart he's sat terrified on his bed there Marge trying to reassure him you know oh he's locked away and um I mean, you want to talk about writing and just the great um, back and forth in this escalation of the joke here, Zach. It's um, well, it's well within Homer that he's blatantly um, doesn't realise what kind of stress he's putting Bart under, giving him the reality that Marge, you know, that perfect mum saying, oh, but he's safely, you know, locked away. <laughs> in a medium security prison. Which he'll never get out of. <laughs> Or so you'd think, except he's done it so many times before. Oh. <laughs> Bart's, you know, he's appreciates the family gesture, but, you know, Bob's a killer. He's a killing machine, and he's just going to be bound on getting to Bart yet again. And then we just get a cut to uh, Bob singing a little hymn in prison within the church. And I had no idea, obviously, Grammar being from such a theatrical background and giving these theatrical performances and, you know, his cheers and... Frasier and all sorts. I didn't realise he had such uh, pipes on him, Zach. Oh, he's got such a beautiful singing voice. He's um, I'm a bit of a uh, musical theatre guy. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, I've I've 
done bits of theatre myself in the past, um, and I've just it just it was inevitable I was going to be like catch the old musical theatre bug. But uh, there's a musical, the Broadway production of uh, Finding Neverland. Um, the uh, the main character in that was originally played by Kelsey Grammer, and he does such an amazing job in it. Is he Captain Hook? He is. Oh, I can totally see that fit as well. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Well, that was lovely, Robert. You other cons could benefit from his shining example. We have uh, Bob walking side by side with Reverend of Joy here. Saying, you know, how can this, you know, former deranged mayor be such a, you know, brilliant convict one to turn his life around? So I've recommended you to the relocation work program, and Bob is really touched. But you know, who's going to have a five-time loser come work for them? And you know, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And we have our second guest, and probably the, arguably the feature guest in this show. It's David Hyde Pierce, Kelsey Grammer's co-star. On Frasier. Um, now, what do you think of... Well, I guess I'll just talk about it now. Um, what do you think about Cecil's character, his design, his mood, everything, Zach? Do you see uh, Niles Crane in this, or are they completely separate? Oh, absolutely. There's definitely... They obviously design. They must have designed the character of Niles... Sorry, Niles, of Cecil, to uh, coincide with Ni- uh, Niles. Uh, you can you can you can see it in there. Um, he's he's blonde. He's got a, like sort of a similar facial shape. He's just sort of like a. If you put, if you got Niles Crane and had him have a made him have a love child with, uh, sideshow Bob, Cecil would come out. Yeah, I will say they do a great job um, matching. You know, sort of similar brotherly features. There, they've got similar massive feet from season one you can see the detail in the lips there i mean the animation design's done really well to you know give him that sort of familial feel and we have cecil welcoming bob and you know it's been 10 long years there you know you're willing to have me back you know i have certain um problems with other people and cecil i can see as much as i'm aware with a couple of fraser episodes i can fully believe this is a typical Niles trait of just this ultra sarcasm. Goodness, I had no idea. I've been living on Mars in between a rock with fingers and my ears there. Now, how close is Cecil's voice to Niles? Is there like one main difference you can tell or is it virtually the same voice? Bob admits, you know, he's all murdered out. He is a changed man there. And so he leaves the prison, you know, straight to the baying crowd, you know, to these absolute, all these, um, rightful protesters there and um i say one of your favorite characters it's one of your best uh imitations on the 411 folks podcast there folks can you hear mo going get back in there get back in there like he's one of the key <laughs> yeah. voices in this and i it was just a lovely little um hidden gem moment for me i always love hearing um angry mo and you know azari just does a good little um pop-up here We've got all these uh, you know, signs of the audience. Crime, yes, criminals, no. Ban the Bob and all sorts. Bart's busy protesting. He's a maniac. You know, he's just lying to you. And um, Quimby with a brilliant line of, no, you know, he's been honest to me. 
and he's given me good justifies reasons as why he tried to kill all of us, but this just riles up the crowd more. Yeah. <laughs> so Bob, you know, he opens his heart and says, friends, you know, much like uh, the old Cam Winston episode, this is America. You know, doesn't a man deserve a chance? You know, haven't I served time? Don't I choose to be free? And, um, you know, one of mine and Cal's favourite boys, Chief, was like, I know, uh, have the boys look into that. But he keeps saying, you know, oh, you know, don't get to work and live in peace. And he wins the crowd back over there. And there's even a sign saying, oh, welcome back, Bob. And my God, he can truly work this audience, can't he? I know he's the he's the <laughs> he's a promo king, is our Bob. Now, would you believe is he? I mean, obviously he's a guest, now, a part time refuel. But would you say he's quite main event Bob as a character? I mean, what? Uh, with that, where do you rate him as? You know, your guest characters, your tertiary characters. How highly do you rate him? Oh, one hundred percent top. I would. He's probably. I, I would say he's my favorite character. Oh, out of. Everyone in The Simpsons. Yeah, he's probably up there. He's, he's definitely up there. He's definitely top three. Bob has won the hearts of Springfield over, despite all his previous transgressions there. Goes away with Cecil in the car. Bart saying, no, you've made a mistake. You don't know what kind of evil, sick thoughts he's thinking of. And we get a brilliant cue of... Before we go to the first act. And um, what's Bob's thought there, Zach? Ah, oh, it's the... I hope they still make that shampoo I like. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We're now going to the second act, and um, I'll just chat a tiny bit before I let uh, Zach here truthfully wax lyrical over Frasier and what a hit <laughs> is to American television. We have a little flashcard, very typical of, you know, Frasier itself there. Oh, yes. And then we have uh, Cecil and Bob enter Cecil's apartment saying, Oh, you know, make yourself home there, you know, have a. 82 Shadow Latour and uh, Indifference Raison d'Otre and then you know oh you know just have anything you know as long as it doesn't taste like fermented orange juice under a radiator now Zach please go ahead tell us why Frasier's great what it means to you the dynamic of the cast why it's lasted 10 plus years why people love it the thing when I'm always I'm I'm very much a guy. If I enjoy something, I will try and push it on someone. I tried to push Fraser onto uh, onto Gambo, ah, um, but <laughs> because he's he's so busy all the time, he doesn't have time to do anything, and he didn't really get the time to watch it. Um, but uh, when I'm trying to get someone to watch Fraser, um, and people tend to give me the same thing of oh, but it just it pe- people see a scene, they'll think oh, it just looks so boring and dull, but it's. Because it has that highbrow setting, and I think people judge it on that. But it has—it's very lowbrow comedy hidden in this veil of like highbrow of a highbrow setting, and and I, I I love it for that reason. It's especially with with Niles. Like you take a look at him, you think no, straight man, absolutely, he's the straight man of the bunch. Absolutely not. And it's it's sex joke after sex joke after sex joke, and it's 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 it works unbelievably well i love it it's like this scene here the um i've been in prison cecil um as i'll be happy as long as it doesn't taste like ferment ferment orange drink fermented under a radiator and uh, cecil says that will be the latour then that's <laughs> an example of a fraser joke it's <laughs> just jokes about wine jokes about sherry jokes about but then they have the jokes about sex and then they've added uh Fraser's dad Marty into it, uh, the late John Mahoney, and he provides 
a a character for the the everyman to relate to um <laughs> and they have that they have that incredible dynamic all the way through of all the cast they have the um the british girl daphne and everything i can't i can't do the um i can't put the series over enough <laughs> and this scene is a is a testament to how great it is because it's just this is just a fraser scene it's it's all it is do you have a favorite fraser character and a fraser episode for me um oh gosh um i couldn't pick your favorite fraser episode off the top of my head i don't think maybe the the episode there's an episode where fraser runs for um is the head of the committee of the apartment building he's uh, living in that's an excellent episode um it's written incredibly well um my favorite fraser character um it would probably be niles oh okay yeah he's um he's he's just the whole the the whole character series arc of Frasier. I know it's been off the air for oh what sixteen years or so now. Yeah, Two thousand four, yeah. I think it ended. Um, but I won't give out any of the for any listeners that are looking to watch it. Or um, but the the whole series arc of um, Niles and his wife. Um, but him having feelings for Daphne as well in the middle, um, the comedy that comes from that is perfect. Now, is it consistent over the... Oh, I know it went over 10 seasons. Is it consistently good or is it much like Simpsons where there's an obvious uh, gradient or a falling off point? Personally, I didn't see the gradient when I watched it. Obviously, I was uh, only five years old when Frasier ended. So I've, I only watched started watching it just three years ago or so and bought the box sets. But when I watched them all in one and I didn't see the gradient, I think uh, if they had gone on any longer, uh, that it maybe, yeah, they, it probably would have started to lose its appeal because obviously everything has a shelf life. Back to the assessor's apartment there. And um, they're busy talking about um, what Bob's going to do. Yes, this is another. Uh, fr- this is another Frasier. Definitely a Frasier joke here. Frasier scene. The dynamic between Cecil and Bob here. It's oh, it's 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 perfect. It's perfect. Definite power struggle there between Bob and Cecil. Um, they both want to one up each other, and uh, <laughs> um, the same goes with Frasier and Niles in Frasier. What would you say is your favourite? segment or part of this episode do you have a favorite moment uh this is the one ah this, this is, the, is scene. the one right okay including the um you know the tragic backstory as well oh absolutely oh yes yes this whole this whole segment here is this is this is my favorite episode uh, moment of this segment of the episode now make yourself at home perhaps a glass of bordeaux I have the 82 Chateau de Tour and a rather indifferent Roson Segler. I've been in prison, Cecil. I'll be happy just as long as it doesn't taste like orange drink fermented under a radiator. That would be the Latour, then. You'll find one gets more respect as a humble civil servant than as a homicidal maniac. Or a clown's sidekick. Aha! I knew it. You're still angry that Krusty picked me instead of you. I can't imagine what you mean. Oh, come now. You wanted to be Krusty's sidekick since you were five. What about the buffoon lessons? The four years at Clown College. I'll thank you not to refer to Princeton that way. The point is, you obviously still blame me for what happened at your audition. Now, obviously, when Kelsey Grammer's performs there, he's got that sort of bold... um, Where is he from? Because obviously, when I was a lot younger as a kid, I used to think he was British, but he... um, 
Whereabouts in America is it from? <laughs> um, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know. He's got that, well, we'll call it, you know, Midwest. Um, he's got a you know, rich Midwest accent there. And I always love it, like, specifically when he's at Bob, when he just sort of gets to shout or, you know, catawall or scream. And when Cecil admits, you know, he goes, you get more respect, you know, being a uh, hydro engineer than being a suicidal maniac, a genocidal maniac, or a clown's assistant when you see himself, aha, I knew it. Yep. Oh, it's just, <laughs> it's brilliant. It, yeah, it just hits me so hard. It's fantastic. That was an excellent impression, by the way. Props to you there, because oh, that was you, that was like a bob in my ears. Oh, uh, what about you know all the trips? You know the four years at Clown College. You know I shan't have you refer to Princeton that way. Now I, c- I can definitely see the Fraser and that. It's all your little classic elitism sort of references. These higher yes. guilds there. <laughs> I will say I don't. I'm aware of obviously the humor of Fraser, but if there's always one bit I can always depend on in an episode, it's them bickering as brothers. They can talk about certain bottles of wine or to get into this sort of dining club or to do this sort of experience. But it will just end up coming down to petty name calling and squabbling. And That's exactly I, it, I know yes. it's not a catchphrase, but I'm always looking for it. Oh, for God's sake, Niles. Yep. Yeah. That's, that, is, that is all it is. It could be about the most high-class situation. Obviously, I'm not a high-class guy. I don't know any of this. I don't know. I don't drink wine. I don't drink shit. You know, I'm not. I'm not a wine club kind of guy. I'm yeah. a. I'm a. <laughs> but it always it always boils down to just petty squabbling and petty actions. All right. Now we have a flashback to ten years ago, and Cecil actually wanted to be part of the Crossy the Clown show. There, we see him at his audition, and it turns out Bob was just merely um chauffeur in there like a good big brother now what happens with this audition zach uh, walk us through it so uh as bob uh, says he um, cecil wanted to be uh crusty psychic since he was five years old and uh we cut to this we get to this scene with um cecil is he's not he's not a showman is he no, he's, no, he's not natural with it anyway. No, he's not. He's not a natural showman. He's mm, he seems quite. He's really nervous. He's very jittery. Um, he just doesn't have the 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 oomph that you need to be an entertainer. Um, especially an entertainer towards kids. Obviously, as you know, me and me and Gambo, we've <laughs> we 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 run our own kids party business. Like you need to really animate yourself to um keep the kids attention yes. in this in this situation um, we uh run uh kids parties so um so from like four to 11 year olds really we just um like you know like year old it's it's, it's it's good money to be fair it's good uh and it's it's an easy job it's just um you, you turn up with your music you play the music you play party games with the kids you do like the hokey cokey and the cha-cha slide and all that and it's oh, yeah and it's oh it's, it's excellent it's excellent i fun. actually knew what it was i'm just trying to give you a cheek a cheeky plug there what, yeah, Razzle Discos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Razzle Dazzle Discos. Get on their Facebook. Uh, drop us some. Uh, <laughs> drop us a message if you want to book for your kids' birthday parties. <laughs> Cecil, he's not that great for me. In fact, he's even quite desperate. You know, Krusty hits me there. Oh, free comedy tips. Like you know, the pie in the face only works when the sap's got dignity. So he gets his assistant to chuck a pie to the unsuspecting <laughs> Bob in the wings, and he gets completely clarted and. You know, springs out his head. Oh, oh dear! 
and yes. he's completely <laughs> embarrassed. Oh yes, but isn't that isn't that just visual, just incredible with the uh, the arms and legs spread out, and then the hat popping off with the hair springing out? Oh, it's such oh, an it's excellent. Yeah. With with the quick pause and the oh dear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Bob, like, he's obviously cursing inside himself, but then you see his eyes flicker, and he realizes, oh, this is getting a reaction, and oh, this can work. But Crossy hires him on the spot. You know, he's going to revolutionize how guys get hit. <laughs> a pie in the face, so you're higher yep. there. Now, coming from, do you still wrestle? Uh, not anymore. No, I'm. Um, I'm taking what I'm. I'm calling it like a little sabbatical from wrestling. Um, just whilst I sort other bits out, including my knees. Uh, Ooh, okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, I will be. I will be back into it one day, though. One day I'll be back. The reason I ask is because um, talking about performance and showmanship and that. I mean, yeah, as far as wrestling perspective and that, Bob's obviously, he got into it accidentally in that, and whereas Cecil, it's a sort of lifelong dream to do it. I mean, who I mean, who do you believe is going to be the better performer in a couple years' time if Cecil, you know, was given an opportunity as such? Hmm, it's um, a very good question there. So um, obviously Cecil can get worked on, but then, you know, that famous Vincent Van quote, you know, he's got the X Factor, you know. Bob's got the X Factor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bob does have the X Factor. It's like you see you guys um, coming through. We'll relate this to wrestling again. Um, you see, like there are guys that want to be a wrestler all their lives um, that never don't really have it. Um, I've, I've, uh, I realized when I was mm, a couple of years in, I, I wasn't, I wasn't in it to make a big career out of it. I wasn't in it to be with WWE. I was when I was a kid. But um, I didn't have the X factor. I could be worked on, and I was a decent wrestler, um, and I had the showmanship that I could put forward. Um, but I wasn't in it for a WWE career. But then you have guys that come in who don't really watch wrestling. People like um, uh, people, people like Big E, Big E Langston. Um, they don't. He he didn't really have a background in wrestling. He was a powerlifter. He comes in through the performance center and gets a, he, he had no independent experience whatsoever and now look at him he's uh, he's an incredible athlete obviously but he's got he's, he has got that x factor um and then relating that back to the simpsons again bob obviously had that x factor he he knew what he was he knew what he was well, he didn't necessarily know what he was doing it just came to him you could sand down the edges there and you could have a complete product you could have a complete performer cecil um you know was bitter as this is to look back on his you know failure he thanks Bob because now he's found his true calling in life there Cecil you know no one has ever found hydrodynamical and hydroelectrical engineer work as um, a calling <clears throat> oh the Cappadocian's fine <laughs> and then we're coming across to a big soaring dam it's the Springfield Dam it's the Springfield River and you know they're up there with certain plans and layouts there Bob's wondering with all this raw surging energy, why the hell should I be bothered? Oh, because you're going to manage the work crew, Bob. And who do we see off into the bushes there? But it's Bart and Milhouse, because Bart's still adamant. Bob is up to something, you know. He can't quite scratch that itch yet. <laughs> but it's obviously got something to do with the water supply. But what does Milhouse think he's going to do? Ah, uh, maybe he's going to pee in the river. Uh, it's not quite his style there. I know you want for impressions and that. Are you able to do a. Uh, a Bob or a Millhouse or um, any key members in this episode? Oh, um, 
Oh, um, I don't think I could do a Millhouse. Um, I might be able to do a Bob. We'll see a bit later. I'll see if something comes to me a bit later on. We'll see if we can get a Bob out of me. Okay, cool. <laughs> Looking forward to that. But Bob obviously um, sees Bart, and it's like seeing an old school friend, I don't know, <laughs> around High Cross. He just goes, what? Oh, that's him there. Hello, Bart. And then you see his little head dip down there. Yeah. Oh, it's very cute. He goes, oh, he's just, you know, he just a bit shy because I tried to murder him so many times. Ah. ah. And I, I love this, the delivery, isn't it? Yes. He's planted something evil. I know it. Must have something to do with the town's water supply. Maybe he's going to pee in the river. Mm, nah, that's not his style. Who is that? Why? It's Bart Simpson. Hello, Bart! He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. Oh. Bob is at the Pimento Grove there and he's uh, on a date with one Edna Cravapple there. And, you know, she's swooning over him there. Like, I guess any woman would do with that voice and the um, the talent that he has. But she's more interested, oh, you know. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I've never really dated a killer. Oh, well, I never actually killed anyone. Oh, uh, oh I see. Crabapple's swooning over him, but Bart's saying, oh, Mrs. K, no, you can't do that. He's a maniac. And I guess I never really picked this up until, like, years later, but um, Crabapple going, oh, well, that's the last time I announced my dating plans in front of the class. Like, why would you do that in the first place anyway? <laughs> Very open. Can you, can you imagine being, a, like, a, a primary school teacher? For a 10-year-olds as well. You're, like, you're teaching 10-year-olds and you're yeah. telling them about your, your date plans for the night. I did once try to kill the world's greatest lover, but then I realised there are laws against suicide. Mrs. Krabappel, no! That's Sideshow Bob! Oh. Well, that's the last time I announced my dinner plans in class. That was Edna Krabappel. You only get one chance with Edna Krabappel. I hope you're happy. Bart's not going to rest till you know, you're locked up behind Bart. So I'm just going to keep prying and prying and prying away, Bob. And um, again, Wigan was, you know, he maximizes his minutes here, you know. He did. <laughs> he says that, but uh, I'm pretty sure he gives up pretty quickly. Now, you know he's off duty. <laughs> I guarantee you he's off duty. He's not... That's not investigative police work, surely? No. <laughs> surely not. Surely not. Uh, yeah, I don't know, though. Chief Wiggum of, on duty having having dinner at a uh, fancy restaurant? Is that something you could see him doing? Because... I, I, you know what? I can see him sort of muscling his way in and taking it as bribery. But I think he's, <laughs> de I think he's definitely off shift before he's going to meet, you know... Um, Ralph and his beloved wife yeah he's nicking him for a free meal I can definitely see that we're back at the building site here and Bob's in a fluster in his little office there now Zach obviously like playing jingles in between people's favourite scene of the episode I'll do it with yours now this is my absolute favourite scene here the whole interaction of Bob explaining you know oh you got me a load of slack George yokels you know they don't know their ass from the hole they blew in the ground this morning and Cecil saying, oh, you know, pish tosh, that's not true. Oh, and who did we see run up to the door? Oh, good friend Cletus the Slack George Yokel. 
Hello, brother. All's well, I trust? It most certainly is not. The workmen you've given me don't know their asses from the hole in the ground they accidentally blew yesterday. Come now, you speak as if they were a gaggle of slack-jawed yokels. Mr. Terwilliger, come quick. There's trouble down to the cement mixer, sir. See, Cousin Merle and me was playing fetch with Geech. That's our old smell hound. And... Geech gone to heaven, Mr. Terwilliger. Oh, Cousin Merle, really? Really trying to limit wrestling talk. I love American deep south southern accents in any sort of media. Um, whether, you know, it's just sort of cartoon or live sitcom or wrestling there. It's, and as much as it's sort of, you know, playing on the, you know, the down hard and in the thick and poor and what have you there's just something about there's just something about the accent that gets me you know come quick there's something at the cement mixer sir <laughs> and especially when you know he goes we were playing with our smell dog geech and he was near the cement truck and cousin mo oh what a turn what a, just he's going to heaven mr Twitter. Yeah. oh cousin merle really Oh, this this moment, Cecil's line here as well. Temper, temper, you know, Cousin Mel ain't been quite right lately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough, he's sticking up for him as much as a thick shit he is. Yeah, but he's also like, he's he's putting him down as well by um, mocking that ain't been quite right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what does the Southern accent do for you? I mean, I got raised on Jim Ross calling matches and just hearing... um. Oh, who else? Big Boss Man. Oh, him just cutting oh, promos, yeah. especially when he went um, when he was back in the Attitude Era, folks, and he was, um, you know, uh, killing Big Show's daddy and that. And yeah, oh, and, it's just uh, fantastic. Killing Al Snow's dog and feeding it to him. And <laughs> yeah, that's it. I got feelings too. <laughs> oh, it is. It is Jim Ross for me. That's that. That's the one for me. Oh, the by God. Oh, it's. Beautiful. It's a slobber knocker, you know. You oh, we have Bart. He keeps preying on Bob. You know, he's even in a. He just uh, he's in a big tube there and just turns around and Bob, ever so frustrated. We get a nice zoom in, and we've had it throughout the episode, folks. Obviously, you know, if you've watched TV for you know many many years, you can see where it's going, and it's obvious that spoilers. You know, Cecil is going to be the bad guy in the end, but you get nice little misdirect of you know zoom ins on Bob. Little cues when he says, you know, oh, I'm a changed man, or, you know, I just want this dam to burst and flood the town there. He's really good at selling villainy, isn't he, Grammar? Oh, he is, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it's, that, mean, it's, that, it's that tone, that bass, bassy voice of his. That's what he does. That's what does it. Now, um, I don't know if you're... Are you familiar with any of his other work? Does he usually play... Um, well, obviously, you might get typecast from... His success in Frasier, but is he always playing villainous roles? I know he does authoritarian sort of roles, but um, I'm not actually too familiar with the rest of his work, like post, like after Frasier and The Simpsons, to be honest. Obviously, Cheers, but um, no, obviously he, he has his role in um, theatre and Finding Netherlanders uh, Hook, uh, and obviously that's again a semi-villainous character in the in the play. Um, but apart from that, I'm not too sure. We have um, Barton Lisa. He's roped Lisa into it now. And, um, you know, oh, you said we're going to Dairy Queen. I lied now. Come on, help me look for trash there. And anything incriminating. So they're having a sift through. And Bob catches them again. And, you know, this is the final 
straw, pretty much. But you know, he's changed. He's not gonna harm the children. But you know, great. Um, again, another great mystery. You know, knocks on Evergreen Terrace. You know, ma'am, your children are no more. And cuts down. Then a couple of ill-bred troublemakers in there, you know, <laughs> shimmying around there. You know, oh, yes. you know, oh, Lisa too, especially Lisa, but especially Bart too. And he chucks him in and says, you know, oh, you know, if I see them again, I won't be responsible for my actions. <laughs> and Homer, were... again, Homer, it's not the Homer show, and I'm glad Homer's just kept in the background. But again, talking about maximizing minutes, the perfect yes. lines of dialogue he just gets given. Well, I hope you ate because I ate your dinners. Yeah, it's it's perfect. It's like you say, it's not the Homer show, which it doesn't need to be. Um, but it's every Homer line has been perfect. It's been executed and written perfectly. Bart's, you know, Lisa's trying to coax him and say, no, oh, come on, show it's step, um, staring you in the face now. Side your Bob has changed. No, he hasn't. There is some sort of damning evidence. And, you know, we've got to go to that one place where something surely will be. Lisa, you know, straight away, like a light, you know, uh, you know, his office by the dam. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, let's go there. Oh, where were you thinking? Uh, the haunted mine. Now, has this ever happened to you there, Zach? Because it's definitely happened to me. Um, I think everyone's had that moment at some point, but I can't think of a, an example off the top of my head personally. But you go with your story because I'm excited to hear this. Oh, it's, I mean, it's not even that good, but I know I've definitely been given presentations within college and uni there and you obviously work on your own individual slides and I think I've come in with something good you know and that's the reason why T2 has changed the course of cinema history and then someone come through with you know oh well um, turns out you know that Rosemary's baby really influenced her and you're like oh wait that's even better I should have done that <laughs> oh shit <laughs> Bart and Lisa go down you know it's the dark of night they're in the they break into the office there they're busy looking through, they see concrete invoices, construction schedules, and they work out that Bob, so they think, is building a dam there. But how does this explain all this money? It's millions of dollars in a briefcase there. Very much like a money in the bank briefcase there. But, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, Bob is not cashed in, if you will. It's just reference after reference on this podcast, right? <laughs> it's, it's literally for no one. It's only to pop my boy here. <laughs> But we see a shadow, it's Bob himself, and obviously he's been teased and prodded out from Bart, and you just hear a rattle, and a rattle, and a, you know, just a great little aggressive shout from Grandma, and he smashes through the glass, and then that's where we end Act 2, Ron Act 3, folks, there. Where he smashes through the door there, and he opens up, you know, oh, who's in here? And I'm glad I heard his name again, you know, oh, is it Cletus? Cousin Merle? <laughs> Big Hungry Joe? <laughs> Oh, do you think these um good old Southern boys, you know the Cletus Spuckler family, could they go far in a uh, wrestling? Because they've got the old um, you know, the backwards, you know, the farmers sort of gimmick there. What could they do with that now, Zach? You know, because we've already had the Hogwins back in the nineties there. Yeah, see, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna relate it to the Hogwins. But nowadays, what what could you what could you do like with Cletus? Oh, it's all been done, hasn't it? Have cousin, it's all been. It's, I don't know. Have cousin Merle or Big Hungry Joe break away? Yeah, you could. Yeah, I. I, th I think you could. Cletus is definitely like a. He's he's your Santino Morelli, your Doink the Clown, your. You know what I'm saying? He's your he's comedy there for character. Like a good decade. He's got a job for life. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's always he's always going to be there. He can be fed to your big dudes. He can he can be there just for a, a few comedy segments. He's he's got your job, but then I reckon your big hungry Joe. He's your guy who they'll. He's your Vinnie Mac will try and push him. He's going to the top. That's such good shit. That sort of. He's that guy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he's he's the guy that's going to try and be pushed, but then oh, alas, there we go. He's down. He's he's off. He's he's uh, getting the he's. <laughs> Wish you the best in your future endeavours, Big Hungry Joe. And there you go. He's in. Uh, he's rocking up at the impact zone. Bart and Lisa, they've been scuppered. They've been found there. So they you know, run out there with the case and Bob chases after them. They go up and down stairs. A bit of Scooby-Doo there. A bit of MC Escher throughout all the stairs and the dam and all that. Um, yeah, another cute little line. Don't go in there. There's hydroelectricity. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. you know, he ends up cornering them, you know, children, you know, let me live. What have I done? You know, I'm a changed man there. Oh, no, you're not. You're, um, you know, you're phony. You're just as evil as you ever were there. But, um, yeah, uh, I feel like we're just going to sing absolute praise. This is a love note to Kelsey Grammer. But it's just ending on them, you know. You want to know what I've been doing? Here's a clue for you, Jack. And, you know, 124 tons of reinforced concrete knocks on it. And then it all is completely hollow. It all collapses by the side of them. I will say great detail on... um the rebars and the concrete and just the destructed surface of the damn wall here. They expose the money to Bob saying, my goodness, you know, never seen that money in your life. Um, you know, it was only Cecil that was really behind this. And then we get to see the big reveal. Da da. Of course, it was Cecil all along. I'm sorry, I should say, you know, it's me, Bob. It was me <laughs> all along. Yes, there we go. That's like the eighth or ninth wrestling reference, but I'm still loving every second of them. Now, now who's saying, "Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch!" Out of Bart and Lisa. Uh, that's 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 got to be a it's got to be a Bart. Even my immediate workers bought it, hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> we have um, Cecil come through and say, you know, oh, you know, it was my plan all along. Bart saying, oh, but everyone's going to know you did it. Well, perhaps, or maybe they'll think it's the crazed psycho everyone believes got it in for the town again and who does bob believe um has got it in for him oh we're going back again to our big boy cousin merle yeah i know <laughs> he's had some problem with the revenues but oh you're talking about me oh clearly you know this is because you know i betrayed you and became crust the clown's sidekick and um goes well yes but officially i did it for the money now, I mean, I've definitely used that. It's definitely a really, really super obscure reference. I only really say it to myself from Deep Simpsons Nuts, especially like when it comes to, you know, shitty parts of the job they you know. But, you know, I did it for the money. Zach, has this ever embraced your mind during your, you know, kids play or sticking on the discos? Do you know what? I can honestly say it's not, but I can also honestly say that it will do now. Oh, cool. <laughs> We have Cecil lock them into the dam and, you know, Lisa saying, oh, it's utterly hopeless. And Bob, again, you know, Stella line saying, oh, you know, when it's me, you're trying to foil a plan. You can't do it fast enough. But, oh, when Cecil does it, oh, it's hopeless, utterly hopeless. Now, this this moment here, like, I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get an official one here, an official ah. crossover. Oh. But this here is Bob's... <laughs> this is Bob's own way of just saying Lisa stop, stop it, it. yay <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Bob you know I mean he turns action hero here this is um from this point onward this is very much reminds me of um you know typical sequel territory there you know 
the enemy of my enemy is my friend then the bad guy from the first one is now the good guy and you get to see a little redemption arc so Bob you know he's very cunning gets a bit of timber chucks it into the dam and they go down the chute he has to convince Bob you know oh I know this is as difficult for me as if for you but for once I'm not trying to kill you so he braves up takes his hand and comes down the chute big gush of water breaks the timber and falls on through thankfully they don't actually go through the dam there is a grate there they bang against that and yeah they end up finding a way out and um as much as i will say i will give um props to lisa here again like homer not really involved helps with the snooping but i very much like the moment of ah get him lisa and hitting the little scrappy do thing i'm definitely gonna um (laughs) make that into a gift for our little uh promo bits on the old Facebook page. We'll have them escape the dam and before they go and thwart Cecil, we'll have a great bit of coughing up leaves there and, you know, getting water out their ears or what have you. And Bob goes, Oh, that was cool, let's do it again and I love you Smith's Smith delivery like No Yes, that's what I was gonna point out. The the actual the, the delivery there was perfect. <laughs> yeah, like genuinely taking a big breath. <coughs> let's go again, let's go again. <gasps> no Come on, children Let's go thwart my brother. We have Cecil. He's, you know, ready. He's ready to hit the plunger and send the town into oblivion there. You know, he's got $15 million in a gun. Bart sneaks up, takes a big jump onto him, you know, and guess who? And if this isn't fan service, I don't know what is Zach. Plunger? Check. Hard hat? Check. $15 million in a gun? Check. Mate. Goodbye, Bob. No! Yes, who? Maris. <laughs> yes, Maris. Oh, uh, lovely. Who is Maris to Fraser? Uh, Maris is the unseen wife of Niles. Uh, throughout the whole series, Maris is never seen. Um, Maris is the wife of Niles Crane. So here, uh, David Hyde Pierce playing Cecil, uh, saying Maris. This is just a. a it's, it's just a. It's not even a nod, is it? It's just a big shout. Just yes, Fraser, Fraser, Fraser. This is that's that's exactly what this is. We have Cecil and Bart tussle around there while some um, Bob's trying to, you know, snip away the dynamite cable there, and um, you know Cecil's finally grabbing Bart and he says, "I'm gonna do what my big brother never could do: kill Bart Simpson there," um, by uh, incredulously throwing him off a dam, which you know was a bit dumb for him, <laughs> and a great yeah. response. Oh, I guess so. Well, if anyone asks, I'll lie. And he throws him off and, yeah, Bob goes full action hero again, grabs the dynamite, big swing in there. Again, it's beautifully animated there. I mean, I'm I'm guessing you saw the design of Bart, we know, when he's initially thrown, that big sort of screaming face and you get to see the wind hit his hair. Yes. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, fa- it's, it's just fantastic. Beautiful, yeah. Why it comes to a full tug there and they're dangling over the dam there and Cecil's readying for the, you know, the dynamite. And Bob realises, you know, we can cut the wires, we'd fall to our death, but, you know, we'd be heroes. How would you like to do something, you know, incredibly noble? <laughs> doesn't even say no. He's like, do we have to? Yes. And <laughs> Great timing. Snip and the plunger and they've just missed it. And we, <laughs> again, it's, I mean, watching this, for, I remember watching this for the first time. They build this drama well. They do suspend the drama very well. And you get to see a nice... I was sort of rooting for Bob, you know, the first two times I watched this. Because, you know, he's had his turn now. And now he's, you know, a good guy. And it's 
yeah, he's doing a heroic act, saving a child and trying to redeem himself. I really enjoyed this. It seems like they're falling forever to their deaths. They even get another breath in to carry on screaming. <laughs> yes. And then it's a big clang and Bob ends up, they end up saving themselves, but through uh, the power of Bob's legs and his um, private parts. Now, my God, the foley on this is incredible. Oh, gosh. You can know, just yeah. imagine. <laughs> Bart sort of, you know, Sonics or Spyros his way up there and drags up and, um, Bob up to the little platform there and he saved his life, you know, and he'll be grateful. And I guess Reeven, oh, I don't know about that. And Bart <laughs> thinks he's back. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding now. Come on. And this is uh, where, I guess, you know, the episode has to wrap up there, folks. Um, Cecil's been caught. Bob's been shamed. Bob has saved the town. He is the genuine hero here. Um, mm. But um, who comes along acting as a sort of reset button here, Zach? Our good old friend again coming in. Third time for with an excellent moment. Our good friend, Chief Wiggum. Here's your man, Chief. Cecil? I think not. This looks like the work of crazy old Sideshow Bob. No, Chief. Bob's innocent. It's the truth. The truth, huh? That sounds like the testimony of crazy old Lisa Simpson. Uh, Cecil just voluntarily confessed, Chief. Well, that's some good work, Lou. You'll make Sergeant for this. Uh, I already am Sergeant, Chief. Perhaps you are. But I say Bob goes back to jail. But surely... I mean, I caught Cecil. Maybe so. But Lou here says you were resisting arrest. No, I didn't, Chief. Quiet, Lou, or I will bust you down to Sergeant so fast it'll make your head spin. Eddie and Lou have got um, Cecil cuffs there, but Chief suddenly comes along saying, See, didn't even get his name right, Cecil. <laughs> no, this is clearly the work of, you know, crazy old sideshow Bob. Lisa comes in, oh no, genuinely, like Bob's done nothing wrong. Oh yeah, just a crazy old work of Lisa Simpson. <laughs> and this is the thing, the universe, well, I guess the characters do every single thing to get Bob off the hook, but the universe is just going to drag him back in. It has to reset. Things have to go back to the way they are. And Lou's just really trying to help, you know, oh, no, we uh, voluntarily confessed, Chief. Ah, well done. Well done, Lou. You'll uh, make Sergeant for this. I already am Sergeant. Oh, yes. And this is a, this, it's a strange... Um, obviously, they hit this reset button so they can keep using the, the Bob dynamic of him... Um, coming back and yes. every, like, once a season but we don't see him again for four years no no uh, they were quite um, they were quite sporadic with him after this point you're right how can you top this episode because he has a sort of redemption arc and as much as I enjoyed the um, the episode where he tries to blow up Krusty on live TV and when he go have you seen the episode where he comes back and helps Homer he sees he was trying to kill him. Oh, I have seen it. I've seen... I've actually seen, apart from the latest season, the one latest season, I've seen all of them at least once, but I think this is one that I've seen maybe just one time. I, uh, I recognise the story, but I can't um, put, like, put my finger on any no, details. Gen- no, I think they're generally good episodes, <clears throat> and they're in year 11s and 12s, you know, after the, quote, golden era and that, and they're good. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anything's going to peak this, because it does seem finite you know bob's back in his cell there you know that's his end there so i think unfortunately anything after this episode is a slight diminishing return because yeah. you know it's like a climax of anything you know and if you linger it out a lot more it's just yeah like say gonna have diminishing returns i don't know how you feel zach 
No, yeah, I I, I do agree with you. Um, and I, uh, I was just thinking about it now. Uh, it just popped into my head now. If you you've you've got to give it that time of um, because the the next time we see Bob, he tries to blow Bart up. Uh, um, uh, across the show, he tries to make yes. turn him turns him into a suicide bomber, doesn't he? And if we go from that in just like in the space of a year, um, you think, ah, oh, the last time we saw, obviously we know it's standalone episodes, but um, semi standalone episodes. But the um, if in the space of a year he's gone from Bart saving his life to him, then trying to kill Bart again, but then you give it that four year gap. Yeah, I, I do, I do see why they sort of stretched out a little bit more this time and then we have eventually the dam breaking you know nothing really got saved the dam broke and um unfortunately the time we're recording this we're facing similar sort of situation all across the uk folks (laughs) very much uh shrewsbury at the minute as much as i don't want to kid too much about it but yeah it's very very spooky this bit is it bad at your area thankfully no it's not but you know you look on the news and that and they've got you know, place in the southwest, you know, all underwater in there, and just viewing this episode, I thought, oh wow, this is a bit too close to our home. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, I'm all right over in Leicester at the minute, but <laughs> yeah. Homer, he hasn't even done much. He wasn't even that cautious with the kids. Like, it took him, I'm guessing this is a Saturday, well, fuck it, he's not at work, and he's just going, Marge, I'm going to look for the kids. <laughs> like it's been say what 12 hours and now we get um thankfully he just rushes in closes the door and then sort of cap off the end of the dam breaking there we have um you know little ralph wiggum <laughs> what does ralph say <laughs> i think i wet my bed <laughs> hey there we go yeah there we go we There's got one out <laughs> that's quite good yeah good job you know we're really at the end now folks bob's back in the police car and he's just dumbfounded you know you can't do this to me. I saved the kids. But you can't do this. I saved the children's lives. I'm a hero. Tell them they'll live to regret this. you live to regret this. Oh, thanks a lot. Now I look crazy. Wiggum says, oh, these two calculated brothers, you know, what <laughs> schemes are they going to think of in prison? And we see Springfield Prison. They're both sharing a cell. Cell door shuts. And... How, yeah, how do we end it? Is that... uh, we end it with a classic brother. <laughs> it's, it is the brother dynamic, isn't it? Of um, top top bunk argument. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the uh, I I'm older. I get the top bunk. Two criminal geniuses locked away together. Who knows what diabolical schemes they might concoct? I, I'm older. I get the top bunk. Oh, puppycock. I called it at the arraignment. So, when do they bring us the menus? I love the fact you can tell they recorded together because you just get that... Again, it's the great dichotomy of brothers. They've got it down to a T. Just the slapper noises and the... It, it, oh, noises there. It's great work yes. from Hyde Pierce and Grammar at the final bit. Yes, yeah, so I suppose at this point, what what season are we on? Series eight. So this is what nine. This is ninety seven, isn't it? Yes. Um, so they've been acting. They've been performing as brothers together for a good four years at this point. So. All right, and that's how we wrap up the episode with um, Cecil a bit out of his head saying, "Oh, so when do they bring us the menus?" 
and we roll credits. <laughs> so I'll ask uh, a nice little wrap up. Uh, Zach, how do you rate this on the whole? What do you think of the whole episode? This is uh, this this will be on one of my this will be in definitely my top ten episodes. It's um, okay. yeah. If if I was to do a list, which I think me and Gambo should do again at some point, we haven't done one. We haven't done a list in a long time since like the early days of the podcast. But we um, this is this is probably in, in my top ten episodes. It's probably my second, purely because of the the crossover with Frasier, I think. Um, but in terms of Bob episodes, it's my second favorite, obviously behind the Cape Fear. But I love this episode; such an excellent episode. Now I typically do a out of five rating my co-host cow i mean he rates it however he wants he's some sort of a renegade if you will he'll go <laughs> yes. out of seven out of 20 god you name it so how what sort of numbers or statistics kind of number are you putting on this okay right let's see <clears throat> i'm going to give this uh, episode i'm going to give this uh 4.5 cousin males out of five Oh, that is very high. Okay, I respect yeah. that. I appreciate Cousin Mo. Yeah, okay, all right, <laughs> very good. For myself, um, again, I will happily watch more Frasier uh, after this. Hyde Pierce is fantastic. And again, it's the it's the dynamics between him and Grammy. You know, they're clearly you know, well-versed performers. They clearly worked together before. I mean, obviously, the big love notes to Frasier as well. Throughout, you get great little... Um, lift ups from Wiggum, Homer, Lisa. I mean, even Mo, even who's just shouting nothing in a <laughs> protest. Yeah. Um, you get the lift ups from these um, one line uh, characters in here. Um, get the nice little redemption arc as well. The animation's great. Um, so for me, I'm going to go whole hog. I'm going five out of five hollow dams. Ah, excellent. I'm going to pull on that random episode generator and see what pops out next. Oh, let's see. Get ready to eat some animal crackers and go on a safari, because we're going to season 12 with Simpsons Safari. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star written review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Uncle Most Family Feedback Podcast, and the same on Twitter as well, at TylerTMC. Or search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. Take care, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.